opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. I want to welcome everyone back to the Kentucky Council of Blind 49th Annual Conference and Convention. And welcome to the First Mate's Dinner. We've been sailing away today, and we've heard lots about technology and about bioptic driving and low vision devices and OVR services and all kinds of updates. And here we are uh, gathered together again. For those of you that are on Zoom, welcome. And uh, Miss Natalie is is the woman behind the curtain. She's playing the role of Oz today and uh, doing a great job. Did everyone enjoy dinner? Yes. So for those of you that were not here in person, uh, we had a wonderful salad and lasagna and garlic bread. And for dessert, we had cheesecake. Need some more of that cheesecake. Yes. Uh, as always, we want to give a big thank you to Patty Cox, Sam, Chastity, David, everyone in the back. Can we give a big round of applause? Can we also give a big round of applause for all of our volunteers today? They've been working so hard and just, just helping out everywhere. All right. Thank you. So without further ado, uh, if those of you that are able to do so if you would please stand and uh, we are going to hear the star spangled banner from bradley mann who's a life member of kcb and from here in louisville bradley oh say can you see by the dawn's early lights what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glow, the bombs bursting in air, they proved through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave? For the land of the free and the home of the brave. Next, I'd like to introduce Miss Restoria Ross Jackson, who's a KCB board member and on KCCLV's board, and she's going to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, 
indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Restoria. And I was joking with Restoria earlier today that I had not yet met her in person because she joined us shortly after the pandemic started. So it was great to finally put a a, a face to a name. All right. Uh, next, to lead us in our invocation, we're going to hear from Dave Wildy, who's the vice president of KCCLV. Reverend Wildy, would you pray with me? Gracious God, loving Father, we thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the fellowship and love we share here. We thank you for safe travel to and from this event. And we thank you for all the people and effort that put on this event. Watch over us. And I specifically ask that you give each one of us a specific task to do for you until we meet again. In the Lord's name we pray. Amen. All right. And finally, uh, to sing We Gather Together, Bradley. We gather together to ask the Lord's blessing. He chastens and hastens His will to make known the Sing scenes from distress and sing praises to His name. Forget. It's not his own. you. Next, it is my pleasure to introduce our speaker for this evening, Dr. Craig Meter. Uh, Dr. Meter, of course, joins us from APH, where he served as its humble president, I'm sure, since 2015. And prior to that, at least according to your online bio, <laughs> you were uh, you taught at uh, the Washington State School for the Blind for, what, 24 years? Before you, before you became a principal? Yeah. And math, right? Yeah. All right. And uh, he's, so you join us from the Western, you know, Pacific time zone and educated all up and down the West Coast, it looks like. Washington State, Portland, Western Oregon, right? Yeah. So, all right, Dr. Meter, the time is yours. Thank you so much, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm going to uh, rely on Adam and Carla's collective memory as to the last time I spoke to 
you all. It seems like the years have flown, and it may be. No, this is the first time I've spoke to KCB. I think it is. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So, so much. So much. But it's a pleasure to be here and um, to be with all of you tonight. For those who are joining us streaming, uh, welcome. This is a new world we live in. And at APH, we had to adjust very similar to all of you. And thankfully, just like here where you have very talented and gifted people in technology, I have some of those folks at APH that make us all look good because, man, we would be Dixie cups and strings if it were up to me. And uh, I just I just was not gifted in technology. But that's that's kind of the beauty and uh, of humanity as we all have our gifts and we bring those gifts together to make us whole, which is a fantastic thing. So your theme, somebody yell it out. What is your theme? All right. Sail away with KCB. That sounds very uh, inviting. And the whole idea of sailing, when you think about sailing, uh, I've only been sailing once or twice and uh, as a passenger, never as the person behind the helm. But sailing in itself, it, it's it's an intentional act, whether it's for pleasure or whether it's for risk and reward or adventure. It's a very intentional act because there's a lot of work that has to go into getting yourself ready and getting the boat prepped and getting out of harbor and pulling away from the dock and in setting your course. And then that's when the real work begins. If you ever uh, have the pleasure of sailing and get to be topside where all the activity is happening, it is a nuthouse. You have people running and hoisting sails and pulling levers and uh, working on pulleys and sails are going up and sails are going down and they're shifting left and they're shifting right. And you have to be on your toes and you have to pay attention or otherwise you may catch the boom as it goes around and knock you into the water. So sailing in itself, if you are not a top or if you're in the front of the, the, the craft and you're not witnessing all that, it may be a very pleasurable ride, but for the people who are making the, the event happen, it is a, uh, a very focused time. And I think that's a good analogy for what's going on in our world, the, the world of low vision, blindness, um, with consumer agencies and definitely with APH as well. The time to stay in port left a long time ago. The world in the last 10 years, I don't have to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you it anyhow because I like to repeat myself. As we all know, the world has moved very quickly and not always equitably, not always fairly, but the world has advanced and we've all become so busy that we don't have the option of sitting dockside anymore or staying in port, if I'm still working off that sailing analogy. Whether we're prepared or not, we've got to push out, chart a course, and take the risk and see where it goes. So at APH, we have been involved with this the last few years. Tides started shifting uh, in our field. I'm going to stay with the sailing analogy because I like it so well. Things started shifting in the world outside, what I call the the field of blindness and low vision. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about the 100-plus agencies that serve um, or work or provide opportunity or employment within our field. We're talking all the national industries for the blind agencies. We're talking uh, AFB, 
the other consumer groups as as well as ACB, um, the mom and pop shops that are out there providing Braille service, Prison Braille Network. But we saw this this big change start to happen about seven years ago. Most of the leadership of these agencies were retiring. And several of these agencies were struggling to find leaders to step up and become new leaders of these agencies. And in many cases, the new leaders that came in did not come with any knowledge of the field. They came from business, which nothing wrong with that. Um, some came in and were great students and applied themselves right away to the field and really came in with a very humble attitude. It's tell me what I don't know so I don't make mistakes. However, unfortunately, like in any business, you have some people who come in and say, how hard could this be? And they just jump in and then they start to make mistakes and sometimes um, detrimental, something that can't be repaired. And so we've seen some of that within the field. So there's been some challenges as a result of that. And I'm not going to go in, into a lot of detail, but just to talk about how this impacted APH, because I'm here representing APH and the work we do. So APH was provided with several opportunities. APH, long history of providing products to mainly students in the K through 12, but also um, have a mandate to provide products for adults as well in training um, and voc rehab centers. So that's been APH. And, and when I came there in 2015 and then took over the presidency in 2016, if, if someone said, well, what's your breakdown? I would say, well, we do 80% of our efforts are around the idea of products. And 20% of that is around the idea of service. That's pretty much our breakdown. And if you looked at our budget, that's where the money went. 80% was on the development, the creation, uh, and the training on products and 20% went to actual human service, the intangibles. But, and what we have found that in the world over the last seven years is service has become the number one product. I don't care what, what company you work for, service. If you have a product, whether it be a car or whether it be technology, it's the service behind the product that sells the product, but even more so, what we have found is that as a lot of safety nets have failed, that service is the biggest needs. This became very apparent during COVID. So prior to COVID, we had begun the work of creating this online, and this was all hastened when AFB came to us and said, would you be willing to take over our the Family Connect, Career Connect, um, the Braille bug, uh, the information referral line, and all those other um, online programs that they had. And we were honored to take that on and bring that into the house at APH. So we began this big step into the service because all of those are services. So we began to work on that. And we thought, you know what we really need to do, because this is the information age, is we really need to develop this robust uh website and more so than a website but this gateway to services that exist in the United States and and when i was a teacher one of the biggest struggles was remembering everything i needed to t teach students so i remember sometimes i would carry most of my my books and my manuals in my car with me so when i drove 100 miles to see a student in a remote district in in the backwoods of oregon and today i had to be teaching the student uh, two-digit by three-digit division on an abacus. 
that's something I hadn't done since university days. So I would pull out my book. I'd pull alongside the road there to pull out. I'd get out my book and get out my abacus and sometimes two abacuses and put them to abacai and put them together and quickly refresh my memory so that when I had my, my one hour with that student, I taught them well. But the idea came to mind is there is this brilliance that's all around our country happening at schools for the blind, happening at education centers, happening by individual teachers. So there's all this content that is out there in the universe, but all of it is just, it, it's like this idea, if you go back to sailing, it's all these islands of information. And it's hard to know how to get to all those islands of information. So we set out on this journey of we're going to find that map. We're going to create that map so that if I am a teacher in Oklahoma City and I'm going to go in and see that student for two-digit by three-digit division on an abacus, I can go to one's place, I can type that in, and up will come information from the Texas school, from Wisconsin, from Iowa, from Washington State. But this idea that information at our fingertips will provide better instruction and better support for people out in the field working with students. So we started this path, and then we had that wonderful event called COVID. So the biggest thing that was dropped on our doorstep, I remember two weeks into COVID when you know everyone sent everyone home for two weeks in APH, we did the same thing paid everybody said go home until it's safe to come back we'll we'll, we'll we, you know we'll keep paying that's what we need to do um, and I had several meetings with probably 30 some service providers from across the country and the big question is how are we going to meet the needs of students so earlier that year here was one solution we could do at APH earlier that year um, we had begun building a website, an online learning portal that we called The Hive, but it wasn't ready to launch. We still had another year and a half in development before we were ready to launch The Hive, which would provide training for teachers, for families, for students. And we were at that point, and the director of The Hive, Leanne Grillet, who is our uh, national outreach director, she said, we got to go. We, we just got to launch this thing. We said, well, are we ready? And she says, we probably have about 30 hours worth of content. So we made a decision. We would launch training. And we started offering educational classes three hours a day, five days a week. Anybody around the country could join in via Zoom. And we were educating students of all ages. We were educating parents because most of the parents now had their students at home. A lot of them did not know Braille. They did not know basic orientation mobility. They did not know uh, uh, skills for daily living. So we took this as an opportunity to train up parents. We took this as an opportunity to uh, be that resource for teachers and for students who sometimes were joining us and learning on their own. As we start to ran, ran out of content, we reached out across the country. And we said, who's got a lesson plan they want to do? So we pulled teachers from all four parts of the country and the middle, the flyover states, and found excellence teachers willing to step up, teachers who had content, teachers who had prepared lessons, or they already had what we call lessons in the can. They already had the videos. They had all the information surrounding that. We were just be able to upload that and roll. And it was an amazing gathering of minds from across the country, for which we are very thankful because as APH, even though we are a big agency charged with a very big mission, we could not have done any of that on our own. So we ran that consistently for about 18 months, at which point 
Most districts had gone back to school and students were back on a regular routine and the demand lessened quite a bit. So that was a fantastic uh, uh, example of how quickly we were launched into a brand new direction as a company. And uh, it's it's been very, uh, very both impactful and humbling. When we looked at our numbers uh, for after th- the first year we launched all that, we were we were having uh, on average about seventeen hundred people per month tune into lessons. We had people from over thirty one countries. We had teachers from Qatar, Israel, uh, parts of Asia. We had teachers from Poland. Russian who would be joining us in on these trainings so that they could get trainings to their students. Second year, we thought, well, that's that was glitchy. It won't happen again. This past year, those numbers actually increased. We had over 41 countries, all 50 states and U.S. territories and 41 additional countries. And we've seen the numbers fall off a little bit, but we're still averaging about 1,400 participants per month in these trainings. And that's when I say products, the services rather, are the new products. So as a company, if we are going to be relevant 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, we need to give as much attention to services as we do products. And so that's been a lot of our focus and a lot of the restructuring we've been doing at APH. The other thing that has happened in this time is we have moved away from the idea that to work at APH, You have to live in Louisville. Amazing people here in Louisville, but we also realize there are amazing people in other parts of the country. So we have gone from just a few remote employees to dozens of employees who do not live in Kentucky or Louisville, and they live in various time zones, which makes meetings very interesting. But it's it's been uh, so far a very successful thing. The other thing we started was creating regional centers across the United States. So now we have six regional reps who are full-time APH employees who are parked in six different regions of the United States. That's the APH boots on the ground. They're there to provide training, support, consultation. And we've partnered with the Alabama uh, School for the Blind and created the first, we got a special grant from the Department of Ed and created the very first regional Center for Techn for Technology. We called it CAT, uh, Center for Assistive Technology. And there's another T in there, but I don't remember what it stands for. But anyhow, we ran that as a pilot, got approval all three years from the Department of Ed this year. We will be expanding. Um, uh, and a little bit about that program. The CAT program serves states within a region. So the, the center in Alabama serves all nine southeastern states plus Puerto Rico. That's, and, and that's, um, that's their area. We're opening one in Arizona this year, which will serve the Southwest and have that responsibility. And we're starting one in Washington State. We'll be housed at the Washington State School for the Blind. And um, they will be serving all the mountain and Pacific Northwest states, including Alaska and Hawaii. So their job is to provide technical assistance. And the way they do that is they go out and they host trainings. Now, the beauty about this program is when we give, when we do products we through our, our the system that the government system that we have, where we send products out to students through quota and uh, appropriation, those those programs uh, products gets ordered through our catalog. 
These programs are, are geared towards parents and students, or not students, excuse me, parents and teachers and rehab specialists. So when we do a training out in Seattle and we invite rehab teachers and teachers of students who are blind or have low vision, they come out and they do a day training with us, maybe on one of our products like the Chameleon or the Mantis or one of our embossers. At the end of the day, when the training's done, we hand that device to them. We say, this is yours now to use with students. Because what we have found is the big problem with technology is not the students. It's us adults who maybe did not grow up with technology And a lot of times, or the situation, if it's not a fear of technology, it's access to technology. Because as soon as a teacher gets a piece of technology, they usually put it right in the hands of their student. So the the teacher gets very little training time with that device. So this program is designed to train up the adults that work with students so that they have their technology as well as the student having their technology so that better education can occur. So those are just some of the things that have been blowing up and happening at APH. I know, but uh, I know Mike Hudson was here today to talk about the museum, things that are happening there. Uh, He probably talked about the building remodel, which is going to happen. We're about ready to embark using that sailing analogy again. We're going to embark on a two-year trip a journey into a com- almost a complete demolition of the front of the APH building and a reconstruction with the museum and uh, new office space. And it will be fabulous when it's done, but it's going to have its share of risk. And it will be like being on the top side of a sailing vessel as we scramble to to uh, keep programs running while we're uh, navigating all these events that are happening. So, those are some of the things. And then we've got some new technology coming out. We'll be re- uh, we have the prototypes now, which the early results are amazing. Um, I'm just going to, we'll, we'll have more and be able to share more about this a little later. Um, but we have a, uh, a new device coming out. It'll have a fancy name, but right now we just call it the dynamic tactile device. And this will be a 10 line, 32 cells by line. It will do graphics and Braille on the same page, same time. Our first target is textbooks, being able to load an entire textbook, stream a textbook to this device, which would allow a student to basically type in the page they want to go to, and it will take you right to that page, graphics included. So for some of those, and I remember that working with my students, how much effort it took to get through a math lesson When the teacher is going at regular pace, I had to have all those pages dog-eared for my students so that they could keep up with the rest of the class. Imagine having that device where if the teacher says, turn to page 32, we're looking at problem 15, three keystrokes, you're there. And it's there. Time to fingertips is almost instantaneous. So we're really excited about this device. And even more important, that device is we are working on a new international standard um, we we have every major player in the United States on board. We're calling it the EBRF format, Electronic Braille Ready Format. And we now, I'm happy to report, we had meetings with DAISY. We're part of the DAISY Consortium now. And DAISY, uh, representing all of Europe, has signed on to this. We now have international agreement about a new EBRF format that will be available. The beauty of this 
is it will allow back translation without losing formatting. So you could create something in German. We could download that file. We could open it up in English. It would make all formatting would remain, but it would then translate that. And then when we could send something here across to several countries. That's pretty mind-blowing. More mind-blowing is sitting down with all these international agencies and having all of them be excited and ready to sign on to this venture. But in order to create this wonderful device, we knew we had to create this educational ecosystem that would support the device. Otherwise, we're just creating a very expensive paperweight. And so we uh, that's, that's some of the latest greatest. Uh, we plan on launching... I think in quarter two, which would be spring of 2024 with that device. And we'll begin training teachers across the country and uh, next fall on this device. And right now we're working with the Department of Ed to s- set up kind of a, a lending library program similar to um, what NLS does so that these people will not have to uh, bury, bear the, the brunt of the cost of this device because it is not a cheap device. As you can imagine, it is not a cheap device. But we're excited. That's just one example of some of the amazing work that's going on at APH with our partner agencies. And uh, it's, it's really it's an exciting voyage so far. And uh, we don't know what's going to happen but we know we are, we've got a lot of work to do, and that's the direction we're going. I apologize for the rambling tone of this message. There's just so much going on at APH and so much I, I get started, and uh, I'm proud of the staff that work at APH that are making all this happen um, because, you, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're the people behind the curtain, so to speak. It's their brilliance and their skill set that is pulling all these loose ends together. And, um, but, um, they, you asked for an update. I, I think that's a pretty good update. I mean, I could talk for hours, but I know we don't have that. We got to hear from several other people. So I'll go ahead and put a pause, hit pause right there. And, uh, um, I'd be happy to take a few questions. If you have time for it, I'll be happy to take questions. I, um, have more of a comment than a question. And that is that, uh, having grown up about five blocks from the American Prairie House for the Blind, um, you know, I've, always been aware of it but as important as APH is in internationally and here in our own country and all the things you talk about and yet it really makes me feel good to be able to walk into the lobby at APH and have Jody say hello Adam on a first name basis or come to a meeting where the president of APH says hello Adam you know, at first name and just being lucky enough to live here in Louisville uh, with APH being here and yet, uh, you know, being able to think that I'm a little bit part of it. Thank you, Thank you Adam. Well, we 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 appreciate that because I, I'm and I know a lot of times we reach out to KSB and to several uh, of you to be our guinea pigs on products and and programs. And, and you've been so kind and gracious to to help with those efforts. And that's because we tested here in Kentucky first. And if it flies well here, it, it'll fly well pretty much anywhere. I'm curious to, to know if it's possible for an average Joe Q blind person who's intrigued with his DTD to be able to see it. Yes. So the question was, is will there be, if you're not, will there be opportunities for 
the average Joe to see the DTT experience that? Yes. The answer to that is yes. We are going to be not only training teachers. Our, our goal is, is this is going to be a universal device. Our hope is within a short year or two after the release of the devices, there is competition. We competition is the best thing that can happen to our field because competition means there are more people buying the same braille cells, which means prices should come down. So we want competition. Plus, we we believe there's brilliance everywhere. So if someone can create a better mousetrap, you know, more power to them. But to to get back to your question, yes, we will provide opportunity. We will work with. Um, we'll. I I know we're working both with ACB. We have talked with the leadership at ACB and leadership at the NFB about getting these devices out to uh, members of both organizations for uh, to get it tested out, to get uh, feed, so we can get real feedback. It, we want to know what's good. We want to know what is not so good. We need to know, uh, you know, what is, uh, you know, if there's something on there that's just ridiculous. We need to know that so we can um, we we can make those changes. So. Um, we will, I, and I will, uh, I will touch base with our team on that and, and remind them that we have people here locally that would love to see that. In fact, we could probably bring that to a KCB meeting. If you guys have those on a regular basis and bring it out one night and, and, uh, let you kick the tires, so to speak and check it out. So we'll make that happen. All right. Well, if there are no further questions, then I will, um, surrender the floor um again thank you for this opportunity uh, we could talk all night but i won't because there are lots of there's more information to come from a lot of important people so matt i'm going to hand you this mic back thank you again thank you let's give a big hand to craig and uh thank you very much for coming and i know that our our group that meets here on fridays they will be in touch because if you got programming they got space <laughs> All right. All right. Um, next, we're going to proceed to uh, our chapter reports and uh, the ones that we uh, do not hear from this evening, we will have time to hear from tomorrow evening. All right. So Eastern uh, Kentucky is not here at this time. So we will next hear from Natalie Couch, the great and powerful Oz from Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. Natalie. All right. Thank you. So um, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind has been pretty busy this year. Um, we have done several um, hybrid roundabouts. We meet on, well, now it's Friday night, every Friday night from 7 until 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, the first and third Fridays of the month are hybrid, so we do those in person. And then the virtual part is from 7 to 9. Um, I'm sorry, the in-person part starts at 4 p.m. Um, and then we do dinner at 5, and we have some discussion time. And then from 7 to 9, um, we do zoom we um the third friday of the month is bingo um which is in person and on zoom the second and fourth fridays of the month and if there is a fifth friday of the month um are 
virtual only from seven to nine. Um, and that's pretty much, and we are having our um, Christmas party on December 3rd. I don't remember what time, but it will be um, in person only. And then there will be a Zoom event on one of our virtual weekends in December. So that is what GLCB has been up to. Next, uh, Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind. Do we, Natalie, there is no Jerry? She is not here. Okay. Well, that's okay. We kind of thought that, that she may be joining us tomorrow. All right. Next, uh, uh, the South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind, uh, Richard Lindsay. He is not here. I don't know if we have, if there is a representative from SCKCB, um, if you want to, if you're on Zoom, if you want to, Raise your hand because Richard's not here, so I don't know if we have anyone else doing it. Okay, well, I, I'll keep I'll keep checking, and we'll come back to them if they appear. Okay, that's not a problem at all. I didn't realize we were ahead. Okay, well, do we have Miss Cheryl Lott from Supportive Alliance of the Visually Impaired in Owensboro? Yep, we have her double. She's on the phone and um <laughs> and <laughs> the computer. So, um, go ahead, Cheryl. It, it has been a, a good year for Savvy. Um, we've had uh, an increase in membership. I think we're up to 40 members now and uh, a few more, you know, that's wanting to join us. So we're just taking them as they come and, and welcoming them in. And it's it's been a good group. Um, we had uh, elections of officers uh, this week. So I am winding down on my presidency. And uh, they will resume these offices and and take over in January. Um, We've had uh, some opportunity to do a little um, advocating, if you will. We had um, a member of our group that um, there was a sign near his property that, uh, uh, you know, assisted him in crossing the street. It was a sign that said, uh, blind pedestrian. And for whatever reason, the city just decided to take it down. So they did. And so we got about nine members and went to the city council and kind of argued a little bit about it. And, um, you know, we didn't really uh, win, if you will. They did put some other signage up, but we didn't really win per se, but they knew who we were. And since then, they know in the community they know who Savvy is. So we we did gain something there. Um, we had another uh, incident where we had a person that was in the hospital, and um, her name was Bertie Coleman. A lot of you have met her. And she taught a lot to the hospital staff. For instance, you don't put your finger in your food to find out where it is on your plate. You know, she taught them to use the face of a clock and to tell her where her food was. And that was just, this girl had never heard of that. So she was excited to learn that's what you do. And then um, the remote control that handles you know, your room lights and your TV and your nurse call buttons and all those things, it was hard again to know where to press because of the way this remote was designed. So Bertie sent her son home to get some bump dots, 
And so she put bump dots on everything, I think, in her room. And uh, shortly thereafter, the staff began to come in and ask, what are you doing to our remote? And so she began to show them what she had done and how it worked for her. And the word spread quickly. And then it was a revolving door with staff coming in to see what she had done with the bump dots. So since then, we have managed to um, get together with the physical therapy department at the hospital. We invited them to come to our meeting. And I asked each member to bring some kind of gadget or something that they used at home to help them do their activities of daily living, if you will. And so everybody brought something. They did a show-and-tell thing. The girls took 12 pages of notes and took it back to the hospital and was sharing this information with the staff. We have, about three months later, have since been invited to the hospital. Uh, There were six of us that went up, and we talked individually with uh, her staff and, again, had a, it was a very rewarding day, and they are initiating a lot of these things that we have taught them or showed them um, in in the hospital and with other departments. So we feel like we have been listened to. We feel very good about that, uh, you know, friendship between us and the department. And apparently this is going to be an ongoing thing because they keep calling, when can we come again? So um, I feel like we'll be setting those programs up, you know, or our meetings up so they can come and we can share other information. Um, let's see, I think that's just about it. We had a, a tremendous fundraiser of blindfold bowling that we've done annually, if you will, and uh, it was a great fundraiser. I'm not sure I could tell you the amount we made, around $2,800, and um, we were very glad it was over, but we did have a great time. We had more people participate and more sponsors this time, so it is growing in different ways, and um, again, a lot of the people now in the community know Savvy, and we've done a lot of advertising for the uh, fundraiser on the in the newspaper in the the radio, and also on the TV. So we're getting out there. We're advocating for ourselves and learning that that's just the right way to handle things. So um, I think that's all I need to report. Thank you. We're finishing our first full year as an affiliate of the Kentucky Council. So that year's went by pretty fast. We have a, a monthly business meeting every other month. And every Wednesday afternoon, we have a social hour that we have speakers or we just talk amongst ourselves and stuff like that. And our main fundraiser for the year, we was the, we was chosen the Southern Kentucky down, um, the, the down of Franklin. They have a car show, an antique car show every year. And they pick somebody to be the beneficiary to share their profits every year. So we were picked this year. That was a extra special event. It went real, real, real good. We cleared just a little bit shy of $5,000, and then it got rained out two hours early on top of it. So that was a very good, very good situation. That helped a lot. And um, I guess that pretty much sums our, our activities from the first year. And uh, 
we'll be having our annual Christmas thing here first part of December. And uh, we're looking forward to keep going. And we're like Cheryl. We picked up a few members. So we're just hanging in there and kind of enjoying ourselves. All right. I think that's my report. Thank you very kindly. Thank you, Eldon. Uh, next, we're going to hear from Terry Turlow, the president of Guide Dog Users of Kentucky and Terry, I'm coming to you. Just to add to that, I do want to thank uh, y'all for letting us uh, enjoy our first year with uh, being an affiliate. Slow down a little bit with our Zoom calls with the, the craziness ending and uh, all the salespeople were getting back out on the road. And uh, we started doing a lot more socializing. And uh, that was, you know, getting to know more people and uh, getting to know uh, each other a little better. Um, yeah, and uh, like you said, we meet every other month. Uh, we, we, we've been enjoying that. And, um, he, uh, he mentioned the car show. That was, that was our biggest thing we did this year. Um, you know, we gained a lot. I think I told y'all one of the other reports that we, uh, we gained a lot of, um, new supporters and new people we can chase after next year. And hopefully they'll, uh, repeat their donations. And then, um, starting, um, January, we're reached, we're going to start out with the health fair with the, the medical center here in Bowling Green and WKO puts on. So we're, that'll be the first time that we've done anything like that. So that'll be interesting to, to do. So we're hoping to start off 2023 strong and, uh, and, um, keep working, uh, to advocate for the blind. So, um, again, we want to thank y'all for, um, letting us be a part of the, the family, as you say. So thank you. Thank you, Richard. Um, all right. Uh, guide dog users of Kentuckiana, Terry. The guide dog users of Kentuckiana is a group of folks who meet on the fourth Monday of the month. And some of us are guide dog users. Some of us are not. Um, we do several things. We are working on, uh, two projects. One is, has gotten a little more involved than we thought it would last year, but we're working on producing some little short uh, video pieces. And um, we have part of one already produced, and we hope to spread these far and wide and make them available on websites. Another project is we are working on doing some audio recordings of um, what getting a guide dog is like what different schools are like from people who have gone through their programs. We also have guests. We've had guests, uh, guest speakers about four during the past year. Uh, some who have um, a particular perspective about guide dog handling and others who produce product or provide products related to guide dogs. So that's ongoing. And again, we meet uh from 7 to 8 uh, on the fourth Friday of every month, and we welcome anyone. Um, we will continue continue to do this these same efforts and add some more next year. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Uh, next, we have uh, with uh, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, we have Debbie Detheridge. Yes, uh, this is Debbie Detheridge, President 
Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, and um, we meet on the first and third Wednesdays of the month at 8 p.m. on the Zoom line. Um, we uh, are the first Wednesday is a business meeting, and the second, when the third Wednesday is we tried to do uh, some kind of topic. Uh, we've had Hadley uh, talk about their courses and different things. Sometimes it's been technology. Uh, there is also an in-person group. We've started that back up on the second and fourth Mondays here at UCHM. And I believe that's from 1 to 2.30. And happy that that's um, started. And we've had a couple of people here this weekend for the first time uh, from that group. So pleased about that. We elected, uh, re-elected two directors at our business meeting a um, couple of weeks ago, uh, Restoria Ross Jackson and Trina Muncie. Uh, and um, we uh, turned in most members that we've turned in before uh, last year. We had 38 members, so we're hoping to keep that up so we can be in the number one spot uh, for uh, KCC, you know, uh, CCLVI uh, with the different, uh, there's some other chapters around the country. So we want to stay uh, in number one for that. And believe that's it. All right. Thank you, Debbie. All right. Next, uh, we'll hear from Joey Couch, who is the newly elected president of KCB Next Generation. Joey. Good evening, everybody. Um, uh, of course, I'm the new uh, president is the last uh, Thursday of the Kentucky Council of Bond Next Generation. We are a chapter, for those who may not know, for folks 40, uh, 18, between 18 and 40 years of age. So if you're uh, younger in years, as it were, uh, we're, we're there for you. So by all means, we're glad to have you. Uh, this past year, we have uh, done a few different activities. Uh, started out with a call in regards uh, with an uh, organization called Penny Forward, and we'd done a financial-based uh, call in regards, uh, in regards, you know, we'd covered topics such as different accounts and investments and all of those sorts of different things, uh, which was driven by people's questions primarily and that was a successful call and they have since launched their own um, uh, service if you will and they do uh, i think they do like classes and things so if you want to check those out we have also uh, done different themed uh, holiday themed conference calls for example we actually uh, did one uh, in regards to what the types of vacations people took and the accommodations they had to have or asked for in order to make that uh, very successful uh, going on for them in particular. And I do not think we would be successful with uh, is a popular game called um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Christmas style, and that actually ended up doing real well. So we're going to see about getting that back this year. Um, and of course, one of the things that uh, we took over from the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, one of the activities we took over was the dine out uh, activity. 
And uh, of course, because of the pandemic, that had to be uh, put off for a while. So we started that back up a couple of weeks ago, and uh, that got a great, uh, great response and participation. So we're hoping to continue that on uh, into the next year after the holidays. And that being said, I'm going to, before I conclude the report, I'm going to see if our past president, uh, Ben Wright, might have a, a small word or two to say. One thing that Joey didn't mention is that, at least I'm not sure if it'll still be the case when um, with the new administration, but our meetings will take place on the first and third Thursday on the KCB Zoom line. And they took place at they will take place at eight PM Eastern time. The first Thursday we take care of our business, we get our business done and out of the way. And the third Thursday we have some kind of a activity or program, educational or just something fun to do to kind of keep consistent. And this year we've tried to keep keep it as consistent as we can. Um, so I've really enjoyed being the president of the Kentucky Council of the Line Next Generation. I've kind of was it was sort of baptism by fire for me because I've never been a president of anything in my life. So I had to learn fast and learn quickly. So and learn it well. So I've really enjoyed getting to do that. Hopefully next year, my wife and Hadassah will be here and I will be able to join you all in person. So um, with that being said, enjoy your convention. Eat some good food for me. Thank you very much. That concludes the report. All right. Uh, next, we'll move on to uh, Tri-State Tri-State Library users. Uh, Natalie? Okay. So um, Tri-State Library users have something a little different for you tonight for our chapter report. So um, Terry and Deanna, are you ready? My brother's a pain. He won't get out of bed in the morning. Mom has to carry him into the kitchen. He opens his eyes when he smells his cereal. He should get dressed himself. He's six. He's in the first grade. But he's so pokey. Daddy has to help him or he'd never be ready in time and he'd miss the bus. He cries if I leave without him. <clears throat> Mom gets mad and yells at me if I yell back at him which is another reason why my brother's a pain. He's got to be the first to show mom his schoolwork. She says, oh, and ah, over all his pictures, which aren't great at all, but just ordinary first grade stuff. At dinner, he picks at his food. He's not supposed to get dessert if he doesn't eat his meat, but he always gets it anyway. When he takes a bath, my brother, the pain, showers the whole bathroom and never gets his face clean. Daddy says he's learning to take care of himself. I say he's a slob. <laughs> my brother, the pain, is two years younger than me. So how come he gets to stay up as late as I do, which isn't really late enough for somebody in third grade anyway? I asked mom and daddy about that. They said, you're right. You are older. You should stay up later. So they tucked the pain into bed. 
I couldn't wait for the fun to begin. I waited and waited and waited. But Daddy and Mom just sat there reading books. Finally, I shouted, I'm going to bed. We thought you wanted to stay up later, they said. I did, but without the pang, there's nothing to do. Remember that tomorrow, Mom said, and she smiled. But the next day, my brother was a pain again. When I got a phone call, he made all kinds of noises and singing stupid songs at the top of his lungs. Why does he have to act that way? And why does he always want to be the garbage man when I build a city out of blocks? Who needs him knocking down buildings with his dump truck? And I would really like to know why the cat sleeps on the pain's bed instead of mine, especially since I'm the one who feeds her. That is the meanest thing of all. I don't understand how mom can say the pain is lovable. She's always kissing him and hugging him and doing disgusting things like that. And daddy says the pain is just what they always wanted. Yuck. I think they love him better than me. We're not done. <laughs> well, since I'm six, I have a list because I'm six. And my two front teeth are gone. Anyway, my sister thinks she's so great just because she's older, which makes daddy and mom think she's really smart. But I know the truth. My sister's a jerk. She thinks she's great just because she can play the piano and you can tell the songs are real ones. But I like my songs better, even if nobody ever heard them before. My sister thinks she's so great just because she can work the can opener, which means she gets to feed the cat, which means the cat likes her better than me just because she feeds her. My sister She's so great just because Aunt Diana lets her watch the baby and tells her how much the baby likes her. And all the time, the baby is sleeping in my dresser drawer, which Mom has fixed up like a bed for when the baby comes to visit. And I'm not supposed to touch him, even if he's in my drawer and gets changed on my bed. My sister thinks she's so great just because she can remember phone numbers. And when she dials, she never gets the wrong number. And when she has friends over, they build whole cities out of blocks. I like to be garbage, man. I zoom my trucks all around. So what if I knock down some of their buildings. It's not fair that she always gets to use the blocks, I told Daddy and Mom. They said, you're right. Today, you can use the blocks all by yourself. I'm going to build a whole city without you, I told the Great One. Go ahead, she said. Go build a whole state without me. See if I care. So I did. I built a whole country all by myself, only it's not the funniest, fun, funnest 
thing to play blocks alone because when I zoomed my trucks and knocked down buildings, nobody cared but me. Remember that tomorrow, Mom said, when I told her I was through playing blocks. But the next day, we went swimming. I can't stand my sister when we go swimming. She thinks she's so great just because she can swim and dive and isn't afraid to put her face in the water. I'm scared to put mine in, so she calls me baby, which is why I have to spit water at her and pull her hair and even pinch her sometimes. And I don't think it's fair for Daddy and Mom to yell at me because none of it's my fault. But they yell anyway. Then Mom hugs my sister and messes with her hair and does other disgusting things like that. Daddy says the great one is just what they always wanted. Yuck! I think they love her better than me. All right. Thank you, Terry and Deanna. So that was The Pain and the Great One by Judy Bloom. And um, that was our Reader's Touch Theater that um, we have started in Tri-State. So if you would like to be a part of um, future productions or want to know more about Tri-State and what we do, you can please feel free to email braillereader at gmail.com. And, um, you know, if you are interested in joining or learning other information about what we do. Wow. I'm thoroughly impressed. All right. And uh, Natalie, when does Tri-State meet? I'm going to give you extra time. We have our business meeting and our monthly book clubs on the third Saturday of each month at 11 a.m. Eastern time on the KCB Zoom line. But not tomorrow, correct? (laughs) Yeah, we'll be somewhere else tomorrow at 11 a.m. All right. uh, Next... Now, I know nobody knows who this next person is at all, but uh, we're going to hear from Carla Rushable, our KCB treasurer, with our sponsor recognitions and those that help make this convention possible. Sponsors of the Kentucky Council of the Blind Convention um, show uh, support, help provide support, for the convention and for KCB activities. And each year we recognize those people who assist with the convention and other things in KCB by being a convention sponsor. And whether uh, it doesn't matter what size the sponsorship is, all of them together are very, very important. So there's no sponsorship that is too small or not appreciated. Um, this year, our sponsors are, of course, part of our cruise because, you know, we're all part of this cruise, um, sailing away with KCB on the KCB Majestic Cruise Line. And so our passenger sponsors, who are people who have contributed $15, are Susan Card, Patty Cox, David Cox, Debbie Dethridge, Jewel Gaspard, Samantha Hubbard, Trina Muncie, Kendall Perry, Mary Riley, Susan Robertson, Zora Schultz, Chastity Starkey, Kathy Zinier, 
and Bill Wright. The steward sponsors, got to have the stewards on those ships. The Michael and Angie told us how important they are. Uh, they are $25 sponsors, and they are Susan Ament, Debbie Green, Joe Kuzwara, Cheryl Lott, Debbie Persons, Chuck Runyon, Amanda Salm, Matt Salm, Jerry Slusher, Elaine Weisbard, Dave Wildy, Essentially Braille. Our chefs, we know how important those chefs are, right? <laughs> Our chefs are the $50 sponsors, and they are Betty and Rick Boggess, Natalie and Joey Couch, Eldon Kaiser, Adam Rushevel, Carla Rushevel, Deanna Scoggins, Alan Shrebchenko, the Pony Ride Band, Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, and the Tri-State Library users, thanks to the chefs. The lounge hosts, $100 sponsors, are Ronald Bird, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky Anna, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, thanks to the lounge hosts. And then we have a navigator. The navigator sponsor this year is Louisville East Lions Club. Our cruise director, the $300 sponsor, is the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. The first mate sponsor, the $1,000 sponsor, is the Louisville, is the Lula Dotson Legacy. And our captain sponsor is for $1,500 is the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. So thanks to all the sponsors. So next, we'll go back to Carla to hear about our uh, the thing that you know makes our organization go, and that's our members. To hear about our newest life members. Okay, we have a large number of life members that have, that are life that have joined in the in 2022. These are since the last convention which last year was virtual only. And uh, we have a particularly large number this year because many of the members of the new South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind affiliate in Bowling Green, in the Bowling Green area, joined as life members. So um, I, I especially want to thank them for their support. Um, the life Life members for 2022 are Angela Anderson. She is from Jeffersonville, Kentucky, and she's been a one-year member for a number of years, and this year became a life member. Um, we have Rose Barnett and uh, her husband, Wendell Barnett, and they are uh, members of SCKCB from Auburn, Kentucky. Um, and then we have Benjamin Drew. Ben Drew is the husband of uh, Tanya Drew, who was Tanya Johnson. Um, they lived here in Kentucky um, when we were last in person. They since have moved to Indiana. Um, she lives in Walden, Indiana. And be sure and listen tomorrow morning. Um, she'll be speaking about her essentially Braille transcription business in the morning. Um, then our next one is Shauna Franklin. Shauna is my daughter-in-law. She lives in Beaver Creek, or Beaver Creek, Ohio. And um, my son Mike helps 
uh, with a lot of the little picky stuff that he can just do faster on the computer than I can. And um, so this year, he was doing all these memberships and uh, actually helping do a lot of things with um, processing the memberships. Um, then we have Jeffrey Friedlander. Jeffrey uh, lives in Cincinnati, Ohio. He listens to sound prints all the time. And when he first started listening to sound prints, I asked him about paying his dues. He said, I don't join anything. <laughs> well, so um, he called one day about something that was on sound prints. And I said, Jeffrey, do you want to, uh, we're doing membership. It's up close to uh, March 15. And I expected him to say no. And he said, well, yeah, I'll just do a life membership. So, <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Um, our next one is Faye Fuqua, F-U-Q-U-A. I don't know her. She does live in Louisville, and uh, she is an, a newsletter reader. So it's always important, these, these um, organizations that don't send their publications to people who are non-members because they consider getting that newsletter a perk are missing out on recruiting People. We always have a few that uh, come from sending that newsletter out to people. Jewel Gaspard is here. She's from Glasgow. She's an SCKCB. And just, it was really cool to get to meet Jewel today. And we're really glad that she's um, here at the convention. Uh, Michael Hall is a member from Owensboro who has joined as a um as a life member, and uh, he's part, of course, of Savvy. Kathleen Carr um, is another one of those newsletter people and um, became a life member because we were persistent in sending her newsletters. Sylvia Kirstenbaum is from SCKCB. Um, she's in Bowling Green. Some of you, a few of you who uh, remember way back when, um, may remember Sylvia as she is an absolutely outstanding uh, classical pianist, and she spends part of her year in, I think it's Argentina, um, but she uh, she was a one-year member years ago, and with the chapter coming in, she's now a life member. Lydia Landberg is from Marysville, Indiana, another person who's joined because we've been sending her newsletters. Um, has never been to a meeting. Uh, to my knowledge, doesn't really know too many people, but right close to the to the uh, river, uh, right across from Kentucky, and uh, like I say, uh, a newsletter reader. Uh, Lisa McKinley. Uh, Lisa lives in Bowling Green. And she was a member a number of years ago when she was a student at Western. And we're glad she's a life member now. Also, her husband, Patrick, uh, again, um, in Bowling Green. And um, like I said, glad to have them both. Ruth Ann Miller. Well, it's been a long time. Um, I guess maybe uh, for the most part, for many years, we've had one or two here and there. But Ruth Ann Miller is from Jackson, Kentucky. And she's a member of the Eastern Kentucky Christian Council of the Blind. Gary Mudd, um, y'all, a lot of people know Gary. He's from here in Louisville. And, um, 
we're glad to have him as a, a life member. I, I just kind of invited him, uh, just as it, it not I wasn't well. Gary's just not really been um, real active in an organization before, uh, and um, so he would he was calling to uh, register for something. I said, "Hey, would you like to be a member?" And he says, "Well, yeah, I guess I'll just pay my life dues." And, All right. <laughs> So you always ask. Uh, Rhonda Pennycup. Um, Rhonda's another one of the members that was a one-year member a number of years ago, and now she's a life member. She's from Smith Grove. And her mom, Vicki Pennycup, too, is a life member. And they're both out of SCKCB. Nikki Quinzer is in Franklin, Kentucky. And Paul, I don't know if you recognize the name Nikki Quinzer. Um He's sold technology for a lot of different companies um, many years ago. I think Arkenstone and lots of other things. And I was, and when that name popped up, uh, and it, he was here in Kentucky, I was really surprised. But it was great to have it's great to have him and he and his wife Sandy both are life members. They now live in Franklin. Came here from Oregon. Uh, Jackie Sydney. Jackie has come to some. Uh, roundabouts virtually uh, and uh, has and joined as a life member in the spring. Michael Winstead Mesh is uh, I think our newest life member and he is a member that um, was actually referred to us by ACB. So those are our 2022 life members. All right. All right. So uh, and that's exciting. Let's give one more hand for all of our newest life members. Yeah. Once, once Matt, you join, there's no going back. And Matt, when you're ready, I have door prizes. <laughs> oh, now I did forget about door prizes. We probably could have, we probably could have given some out earlier, but you know, if you're here <laughs> or on Zoom. At the Zoom people are in, right? Yeah. Okay. And so if y'all are giving just a little bit of time, I'm sure you won't mind waiting a few minutes while I get organized. I do want to tell everyone that um, whether you are an in-person registrant or you registered virtually, um, all people who registered for the convention are eligible to win door prizes. So, um, and the people do not have to be here to win. I, that did change things a little bit for registration because in the past you had to be here to win. So if you on Friday had not, um, you know, come in yet, you weren't going to come to Saturday, then, you know, we, your name wasn't in the drawing until you actually came in and picked up your badge. But uh, now that's all different because everybody that registers is eligible. So, so Carla, do I get to be in there twice since I'm here and on Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> well, Oz has jokes. That Oz has the problem. <laughs> we have several to give tonight. The first prize tonight, and uh, we hope that we have a, um, a person that wins this who either likes blue or who is um, 
person who can become a blue fan. <laughs> because we are going to draw for a men's UK wallet. I'm not liking this already. <laughs> and, it'll, and it'd be great for the president. Now, why? Oh, if his name comes out. <laughs> Adam said they wildy, yeah. <laughs> you won't touch it. <laughs> All right. I'll Here's here. Let's see who it is. Oh, it's Debbie Green. <laughs> From um, Elizabeth Town. So now she could be a UK fan. Okay. She is here. <laughs> oh, well, is she on the line? If she's on the line. Let's yes. All right. Well, mighty fine, Debbie. You are the, you have a men's UK ball. <laughs> Our next prize is $20 in cash donated by Debbie Dethridge. Lots of people offering to take that. <laughs> then the winner is Eldon Kaiser from Cave City. All right. He's here I bet well. he's on that Zoom line. He is. <laughs> the next prize coming up is a collectible uh, Kentucky. Well, it's a it's a Kentucky T-shirt. From the 2012 ACB convention, and you can't get these anymore. So it is a collectible T-shirt. Oh, we already have one. Adam is the winner, but we already have one. So we'll pick somebody. We'll just let somebody else pick that. Here we go. Uh, Cheryl Lott. <laughs> She's on Zoom too. From, from Owensboro. All right, we're three for three on Zoom. The next prize, the winner gets to choose either an SD card or a flash drive. Um, and the winner, oh, it's a 32 gigabyte flash drive. The winner is Mary Rickert from Louisville. She is not here. <laughs> She's not there. Okay. I don't think, no. So we have to find out. Okay. The next prize we have is $15 donated by Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana. Uh, the winner is Jewel Gaspard, and she's here. All right. There you go. Jewel from Woo. Glasgow. All right. And the next prize is $10 in cash donated by Terry Turlock. And that winner is Mary Riley. She's here from what? Jeffersonville, Mary Riley. All right, the, the next prize is a Lifetime Treasures 24-carat uh, crystal vase. Uh, and the winner is Rick Boggess. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he is on Zoom twice. <laughs> we know Rick's going to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, he's in Owensboro. And we have a couple more for tonight, and then we have... Lots for tomorrow. We'll have some. Um, we'll have some in uh, the afternoon when we're all together, and then we'll have uh, the rest of the banquet. So uh, I have twenty-five dollars cash prize from Restoria Ross Jackson. 
I told her if she came to the convention, we were going to break out the bass, the brass band for her. <laughs> so, let's see. All right, and that winner is Janet Dickelman. <laughs> <laughs> that prize is going to go to St. Paul, Minnesota. <laughs> and then tonight we have a fourth generation Echo Dot. And that winner, oh, I donated that and I drew my own name, so I'm not going to give it back to myself. <laughs> That ain't going to happen. Bill Wright. All right. Okay, so Bill Wright wins the dot. Now, tomorrow night at the banquet, they just came out with a fifth generation Echo Dot. <laughs> and we're going to have one tomorrow night at the banquet as a prize. I don't know what makes it different. I don't know what's wonderful about it. But I was looking for another fourth generation to donate for tonight uh, and uh, up came that fifth generation and so I said we got to have one whatever it is okay congratulations to all the winners I do want to say you know thank you to everybody who's donated some door prizes 